here today with two of my good friends, Lyndon and Luke. Uh, quick intro from my perspective. Both of these guys are amazing problem solvers and they're probably two of the guys that inspire me most about going after what you want to go after. Uh, Luke has farm gym up here on the Sunshine Coast, not too far from where I am right now. Uh, and Lyndon has worked with a lot of different companies, but he's also um, got his own you know, tech, tech uh, product development and services and, and things into the US government. And he'll you know, share more about that. But he's also got himself on some land, um, actually happens to be very right next door, uh, neighbours to, to Luke there. So uh, we want to, the goal today is to help understand exactly what these guys have done, how they've done it to, to be on rural properties, to have control of you know, production on land um, and the possibilities for that with business and potentially with food production. But then also just how that applies generally to making your dreams happen and, and being problem solvers. Um, these guys are two of the best practical problem solvers that I've seen who really make stuff happen. If you get the chance to see Farm Gym and see what that property looks like compared to what it looked like when Luke moved there. Um, and, you know, Lennon's life as well has been a, a, a life of building stuff that seemed impossible and jumping from different, you know, careers and areas, passions and just making stuff happen. So, these guys are examples from that that perspective as well as this physical kind of land and what you can get done um, side of things. So, uh, yeah, thanks for, for jumping on with us. Um, first thing, I guess, would be uh, how are you guys finding being neighbours so far? <laughs> Best. It's yeah. epic. It's one of those funny things, like, I don't know if I've even told Lyndon this one yet, that when we first started hanging out, it's like, and I've got to get this guy living up this way just so he can be close and hang around even more. So, careful what you wish for. End up as neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want to start a little bit from the end here, Lyndon? We will loop back to your story, but what, what, you know, how's it happened that you've actually got land there right next to Luke at the moment without purchasing it, without even, uh, you know, it's not even the, a full block. It's on, you know, do you want to talk to us a bit about how, how it's come about and how you've organised it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I grew up on land, so 270 acres was what I had to play with growing up. And then I moved here to the Sunshine Coast uh, seven, eight years ago, and I found myself having to buy dirt from Bunnings to create a garden. So I was like, okay, that's really foreign to me because that's not something I ever had to do before was buy dirt. So fast forward to fast forward to six years later, I've done several different things over this six years, but in the context of this discussion, um, actually, let me go back again to go forward. So I was a builder previously, built two houses, owned two houses. Well, depends which, how you want to look at it. The bank owned two houses. Um, by the time I was uh, 22, sold both of those. So uh, always had the the thought pattern reinforced to own your own house. was your biggest asset um, growing up there. So fast forward to now, I've done that. Back when interest rates went to 8 9%, I was a third-year apprentice. Yes, I had two houses, but it was costing me $400 more than I was making to have those two houses. Um, I wanted to solve that problem. I've got young kids now, and it's like a house block here, with 250 square metres on the Sunshine Coast is $300,000. Um, you know, anything decent acreage, you're looking at you know, $600,000 and, and north of there. So that's not a reality now. I, I don't... Yeah, house. I don't What's that? Without a house. Without a house. Yeah, that's right. Without a house. That's just your land costs. And then 
you know, we used to work on a thousand dollars a square meter for anyone who's thinking about building. That's about what it is these days for, for a new house and on how many square meters you want. So it was like, okay, I've seen what Luke had done there and he can talk to that more because I've done it on a way more cooler scale. <laughs> not not necessarily a bigger scale, but cooler scale than, than um, what I was thinking. And then I was like, okay, well, I don't want a mortgage. I don't want to borrow money from a bank during this current climate. I want to get land now. Let's have a conversation and, and, and do something like Luke's done. So it was literally Luke introducing me to his neighbour, me having a discussion with him, building some rapport, which is a, a skill I've built over the past six or so years, realising that he knew people from my hometown, so that was all the due diligence he needed to do, and then um, a series of negotiation. I'm happy. I'll post up my whole the whole process and the emails that I wrote if it's helpful in the group to people. But it was just explaining to, to Chris, the landowner, here's what I want to achieve. I've got young kids. I want them to grow up, being able to be on, be on, be on land, you know, be in a cabin and remember that. And um, that really resonated with him. So negotiated the first three months free. It's about two and a half acres, two, two and a half acres that we got there. And, yeah, we, we, we got free run of that place for the first three months. We're not paying anything. Um, thereafter, it's $100 a week. And then our plan is to put a um, – not the plan. We are, sorry. Not, not the plan. We are putting a, a like, demountable cabin. It's a folding – Shipping container house, which I'll post that up as well. Actually, I think I did post it up the other day along with the plants. So for the grand sum of zero dollars so far, we've got ourselves two and a half acres that we've been using every weekend and sometimes during the week. We're growing some stuff there already. But I'm doing that as a as almost a backstop. We set the cabin up, we set that up as a as a habitable dwelling. We've already chatted to, to Luke and Cash around it being a viable option when we're not there for people that want to, anyone listening to this, wants to come and stay and play at the farm gym when when you're allowed to or, or, or when you know, whenever things change on the travel front, then that would be an option too. So so for me, it's achieving something now which even I thought, and I think quite differently about the stuff, it's achieving it now whereas we have the dream of we'll buy something you know, in X amount of time. So basically I've just managed to leverage someone's land my use for nothing for a time period so my kids can experience what I want them to experience right now. There's two, there's two big things that I'm hearing here. One is start living your dream now. Yeah. You, you don't have to um, make your, your big financial win to go and buy your $10 million house. Like maybe that's going to come for some people in remove it. Maybe it's not, but you can actually do things now to start living the lifestyle that you want. So like one is like, how yeah. can you do it now? How can you do it without having all the money up front? And, and Lennon's given you an example of that. Luke will give you another one um, in terms of that rural setting, but there's, there's ways to do it with setting up a gym with no money down. Um, there's ways to do it in, in every area. You know, like I was just listening to financial stuff last night talking about, you know, options and borrowing on options and you can actually get into the share market with no, you know, almost no money down as well. If you want to, dive deep into that know it well and do it like these guys have done they know land they know farms they know what they're doing um so the big thing like one thing is just do it now and the other thing is tell someone about it right so people like helping you with your dreams like if 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 Lyndon captures his neighbor's heart and luke's heart and they say yeah like I'd, I'd like to support that and if it doesn't really cost them anything if they're actually getting a benefit out of it Lyndon's cleaning up the land 
um, you know, he's putting a cabin on there, which maybe he'll leave to that owner. You know, there's a number of different benefits that will come for the owner, but it also feels like, well, I'm making a difference in this guy's life, in his kids' lives. Like most people have hearts of gold and want good things for other people. And I've experienced this a lot as well, where if you just tell people what you want and you always say it to me, Lyndon, like, what do you need? Like ask people for what you want. When people see that you've got a dream, you know, it's part of the reason people join Real Movement is because they see that there's a vision with this and, you know, we do want to make something happen in the world. If you don't tell anyone about it, then no one's going to know and no one can help you, right? And if you, if you, if you do actually vocalise your dream, then people might just go, hey, that, that's good. So, I mean, there's, there's two, two big life lessons there that, you know, they apply practically to what you what you got there. The asking one's really important because that's the that's the shortcut. That's the direct path to living what you want right now. So, and and it's been a foreign concept. It was for me because I thought the only way was get a mortgage, buy a block, you know, do the do it that way. Which you know you don't need to own something to own it. Depends on your definition of own. So, um, from a farming standpoint or, or from a land standpoint in general, there are so many people that the, the current generation that are on the land. It's going to end with them. So there's a huge, huge opportunity for people to go and approach that generation and say, who's looking at your legacy here, guys? What's going to happen? And and actually, and Luke, I'll let you jump in on here. You talk about people just want someone to love the land like they did, which maybe that's a good segue into, into you chatting about what you've done there. Yeah, indeed. That's a, that's a cracker. So essentially, in a nutshell, if you if we had to answer how we got onto this and started the whole venture of the farm gym and that, it was through working on this property as a as a kid. Like I grew up working here when it was a passion fruit farm, like the farm we're on right now. If you haven't seen or heard about it, it's forty five acres. It's just outside of a fairly main major town on the Sunshine Coast. So there's a ton of traffic going past it, but it's almost like having this rural wonderland nestled right in town. So the the location is phenomenal. But back when it was first bought and first started, the guy that owned it, Noel, bought it when he was 19 with the same dreams. So he wanted to farm. He wanted to break away from what his parents were doing. They were farming, but they were doing other things to what he wanted. And so he's like, I've got to make this on my own. I need to sort out my own parcel of land. So secured this place. And from there, he set about farming it for the next 19 to literally 70 years. So he passed away last year at 94. And he'd just finished hoeing one of the rows down here. So he just finished working on his farm, went up and had a bit of a fall and that was it. But like that was his life's dream to put all his energy and all his love into this block of land to see what it could give. And for him, his wealth came back in the form of like watching his plants grow every day. So being grounded, just being a part of the whole process. And he saw that same passion in Keish and myself. Like we were out here, we wanted to do something that was different, like, when we originally pitched the idea to him, we were like, oh, I don't know, see how this goes. But he could see that same drive and that same passion. And for that reason, he was really happy to be like, all right, guys, like, here, yeah, I'll pass the torch on to you. You run with it for a while, see what you can do. And it was amazing too, because he was like, just try and look after my stuff as best as you can. But I understand that you knew at this and you're going to make some mistakes and so forth. But that was all part of it. It's the... It was that dream, and as Lyndon mentioned, it's like that's what's that's what's getting lost with the with the the elderly is they age out, age out of their farms when they can't maintain the property anymore, and it gets too much for them. It ends up consuming them, which is sad because the family may not necessarily want it, and from there it just goes 
as soon as someone buys a farm that hasn't been looked after, it's like the best thing to do is chop it up and sell it as blocks. You're going to make good returns and set yourself up to buy your own multi-million dollar wonderland wherever. But every time a farm is lost, a farm is lost. I don't think we'll ever see the time where they go bulldozing houses to plant crops again or raise cattle. Like that won't be in our lifetimes. So part of our dream for this place is to keep this place going because we've got it's like almost like a fungus of town creeping over the hills. And that's progression. That's natural progression. That's fine. But the same way as it's like we've got to leverage our value so highly that that wave of progress of four by twos, standard houses on standard blocks and for a standard life hits our boundary and breaks against that and washes back. So we've got a big mission against us. I think, I think one of the really interesting things, and uh, it's the same with Chris, and it resonates across any anyone that's chasing their worthy ideal or goal, is um, people buy into you first as well. So it wasn't the clever business model that got Noel excited. It wasn't a clever business model that got Chris excited. It's, it's you know... That, that that energy, that that love and passion that you're going to put in, and you know you're actually going to look at and intend for the land. So I think that's something for people to consider. That you know, yes, you need to have a business model if you're going, you know, uh, gym, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but don't discount the uh, don't discount the energy and other factors around what you're uh, the conversation you're having. But yeah, farming specifically. You know, yeah. I, I know so many people between here and Dolby. Like I'd know forty farmers that probably cover hundreds of thousands of acres and probably 80% of those, the farm's going to finish with the current generation. Everyone else is at uni, at wherever, like no one's interested in farming. So there's your job to be out there. That was in one of the Joel Salatin books. He, um, he wrote down that one of his, one of his interns, just as a, a bit of a stab in the dark, when he was traveling between a couple of states, he just dropped into every active farm he saw on the way and without building any rapport, without anything, um, went and met the owners and then within the first like three or four minutes asked if he could rent part of their land off them. And I think he dropped into it was like almost 100 farms and he had a 100% success rate. And the reason they stated was that they were so keen to see someone and so proud to see someone notice their farm was still there. So what a lot of people may not see is the actual value in a place like this it's that intrinsic kind of core driver that's been there for the guys that have operated these places for years and years and years that like they don't see the dollar figure to them it's like it could be worth 10 times as much or it could be worth 10 times as little it doesn't really matter that way but it's that goal of like this is what they've given their life to and i think that runs like as a um as a common thread through the real movement community because there's more people involved in this that are here for passion reasons than anything else. And I mean, that's like... Yeah, I think that goes well with your members as well, Luke, and what you've built as a culture. If we go a bit more into what Farm Gym actually is, you know, the culture of people feeling like you're invested in their life project, like I think that is one of the reasons why Real Movement Gyms don't close because they don't have enough business, like when a lot of gyms do. You know, real movement gyms haven't closed because no one wants to go there. I think part of it is that there's an investment in their vision for the world, you know, and that's what you're talking about with the farmers there, that this person turns up and he recognises, hey, like, I, I like what you're doing here. I like what you're going after. If you can start your conversation with your members like that, and I was writing about working with footy players the other day, it's the same thing. If you say to the player, look, what can I help you with this year? You know, what do you want to do this year? 
they've got a vision for themselves. And if you acknowledge that vision and you want to feed that vision, then they're going to want to work with you. And they say, look, I want to score these tries or I want to have these carries. I want to play these games. And you go, okay, cool. I think these things are going to help you. What about if we work on this? How about if you eat like that? What about if you stop doing this bullshit? Because you know it doesn't help. Um, you know, like that's, it's the same foundation that you want for your members is what, you know, you acknowledge in Noel's Farm, the, the salad story there. But I think what Lennon was touching on there is also important that like underlying character and if you can trust yourself, then people will trust you as well. Like you guys had already built consistency and you'd had other successes in your life that gave you the courage because I'm sure it would have taken a ton of courage, Luke. I know we were chatting on and off through that time, you know, the courage to pitch it to him and say, hey, what about if we do that? Like it's, it's a ballsy thing that you've done. Like it's a, it takes a lot of courage to go to someone and say, hey, look, I don't want to buy your property, but I want to run it. I want to take over the whole thing. I'll pay some rent, but basically like give me your, your, your prized jewels. Like this is like going to the Queen of England saying, look, I'll look after the crown for you. Um, this is what I want to do with it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a big thing for, for Neil to do that. So building that trust in yourself and courage, um, you know, those personal qualities I think is a big thing. And, you know, the consistency component of what we strive for with real movement. And, and Lyndon knows me well. He knows you know, my battles and challenges I've become more consistent over the years and real movement has got better over the years. Like I think that acknowledging that underlying stuff of, you know, what you're doing with your training, with your food, with your reading, all that stuff is, is going to give you more belief in yourself so that other people can believe in you. Right. So I think that is probably a huge barrier as well. Like Lyndon and, and Luke to people wanting to do this is do I actually believe in my own ability to back up, what I'm actually proposing to this person, you know? So like as you train yourself and as you follow through on projects, I know it was initially, it was a big thing for me when I started, when I left footy and even when I wanted to go do footy, I was like, man, am I even going to stick with this job? Like I've applied for this job. I've moved to France. Am I going to be there three months and go, look, I just can't do this. I'm out of here. Like I didn't know if that was going to be the case because I've been backpacking. Same thing with starting real movement. Like can I actually deliver to these people? Will I be consistent or, will it just be a flop? Like, will I, will I not like it? And will I rip these people off? I don't want to rip people off. I don't want to do the wrong thing by people. So yeah, I think you have to go through those things with yourself to then go and pitch to someone else. Like, Hey, trust me. Um, and you know, maybe we jump back to, to Lyndon a little bit around, Hey, trust me, because you've basically been living off the investments that other people have made in your vision for the last, you know, number of years. Maybe you want to share a bit around that tech side, the other side of your story, and then we'll jump back and, talk about the logistics of farm gym um that'll uh, that'll be good for today awesome yeah so if we go back to the top of the discussion around problem solving that's always been interesting that and working as a builder essentially that's just problem solving building a house problem solving um being able to being able to see something i guess look at a 2d plan and see something that's already built i still apply that same thinking to what we're doing right now and um, to your point, Gigan, around trust, that was a it was a, a big challenge for me. So we got shareholders of which you were one um, in in Preventum in our company. So for for the first probably two years, I really battled with that because it was it was like oh the what ifs, what if we can't make this work? What if you know what if this? What if what if we can't do what we said we can? So. Um, that doesn't go away. It just gets less with experience, I think, in life experience and company experience. So what you're talking about there 
of people being not scared, but you've got to go through. I think you've got to go through that imposter syndrome a couple times to then, um, well, not go through it, push through it a couple of times, and then it, it becomes less each time. But I mean, that's still for me, you know, not very often. But that feeling still, it, it's still there sometimes in certain situations. But for me now, it's how quickly I catch it. And, and, and jump back on the horse to go, okay, no, our shareholders made these decisions based on this. Here's our goal. Remind, I think a big one for us is remember what we've actually achieved versus <laughs> where, where we haven't got yet because um, we've actually done quite, quite a bunch of cool stuff. But, yeah, so having, having shareholders, having those people invest in essentially us, uh, myself and Steve and, and the vision, that definitely, um, definitely forced me, I guess, to gain new perspective. One, the thing that got me over that, though, was just accepting the odds. So it made it okay to go just go hard in the direction. Once I accepted the odds that in Australia, one in every 10 startup companies are around two years later, and of those, you know, five years later, you know, point two of those are still around or, or something like that. Like The odds are stacked against you starting something that no one's ever done before. So I think, I heard, I think it was Elon Musk that was talking about Tesla saying, you know, that was his approach. It's like starting a car company, you've got point zero zero nothing of a chance of succeeding, right? So deal with the odds and get on with it. So yes, those people have placed trust in you, but it's it's accept the odds that okay, if I can't make this work, then I can't make this work. I'm gonna I'm gonna go down that path to make it work. But be okay with that. And the minute I let that go was the minute things then opened up. It's like, okay, let's go. But I, I don't have that shackle of okay, people have People have invested in, in us, and you know what if um, you're an investor. Another one of my another one of my great friends is a is a large shareholder in the company as well. So I think there's two parts to that. There's there's backing yourself just to, to do that and, and have the ability that um, or have the knowledge to just go. You know what? This is no different to building a house, building this company. The, the same steps apply, um, but then not being scared to ask like we talked about. Uh, but yeah, acknowledge that if you're not doing something because you don't feel qualified or you're worried about credibility, no piece of paper or whatever is going to make you credible. Getting results for someone is credible. So then we look back and reflect on what we've done. It's like, holy cow, yeah, we have done a bunch of stuff which our shareholders love and continue to love. So it's like, it, you know, <laughs> I often say that to people starting something. They're worried, you know, oh, I don't have the right qualification, I don't have the right whatever. Just go and do something. That's how someone will trust you. Trust is credibility, essentially. So get results for someone, and you've got trust and credibility. And for yourself, right? You trust yourself yeah. because you've you've done it for yourself. Like that's exactly. I think the biggest thing with real movement is like university saps you of confidence. Where real movement, when you when you can four ball juggle, when you can five ball juggle, when you can do a handstand, most people can't. And if you look at the odds, the odds are stacked against. Every human who's going to walk through your door, the chances of them getting diabetes, cancer, you know, being obese, yeah. having mental illness, Same. like the there cards are stacked against every member. So, don't be scared. Challenge them. Hey, don't, what if you what if you weren't like everybody else? You know, what if you ate different to everybody else? Like, I think the same conversation um, is is it's there as well. Like, and that's having the courage to get into someone's life. I think you know we're. We've got a bunch of people. I think we've got 180 people that have zero in our zero to one group, our initiation initiator group. Nice. So we're trying yeah. to get them from zero members to one member, and that'll be the biggest jump you know that they ever make. Having the courage to say, "Hey, I think 
your life's going to be better if we work together. Here's the deal. You know, that's, it's, it's a huge thing. But if you, I think that's some of the freedom that you can get from looking at it like, well, you know, what are the chances? What are the chances of putting rockets in space? You know, is the Tesla exactly. stuff and the car stuff? And, you know, exactly. what, were the, what were the chances of someone from where you're from, you know, developing the relationships and connections that, that you've built, you know, into the, into the US and, um, you know, into Africa now? Like you guys, uh, you, do you want to just share a little bit more about actually what Preventum is and, and maybe sure. that will help guys to understand some of the kind of questions that they might be able to bounce off you, um, sure. not farm-related? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so Preventum, essentially our focus is social change and using technology to assist social change. So we've worked a lot in the, the prescription painkiller epidemic, opioid crisis. We've, we've worked a bunch in workplace health wellness. Uh, we've done some stuff around the necessary evil of, uh, of COVID and businesses as well. But with the same core uh, outcome in mind that um, there's marketing, but then there's actually changing people's knowledge, attitudes, and intent. And changing knowledge, attitude, and intent is the fastest way to change someone's behavior. So our whole focus has been on how do we leverage technology, this thing that in a lot of cases is somewhat responsible for some of the issues going on in the world. How do we actually flip that on its head and tap into things that, yes, the marketing companies are are doing and contracts like gamification are rewarding people for certain actions. But how do we actually take that, take someone on a journey around something like you know, childhood burns to, to help parents prevent their kids getting hot beverage spoils because, you know, Three in every five burns in kids under five are from hot beverages. If, if you're a parent, so how do we how do we use that technology? How do we take someone on a journey that's individual? So I guess that's where it's that's where it's evolved to. That a lot of the messaging around health. Wait, let me rephrase. The tiny bit of messaging that's done around health by governments that they do well. Um, it's still broadcast. It's still the one to many. Let's put this message out and hope it resonates with, you know, three to six percent of the population and we can tick a box. Our model is we can engage somewhere between forty and sixty percent of that same audience in an individual journey about that topic, understand what they know here, take them on a journey and reward them with something relevant to them, be it points, be it go go to the movies. So actually tie something irrelevant to learning about a topic that otherwise people would probably never want to learn about. That's been uh, I guess the secret source of what we've been able to do at Preventum and actually show an outcome of here's what people knew, now here's what they know and understand, here's how they've changed their attitudes and beliefs, here's proof of that. And I guess there's a research arm to it then as well where um, working in the world of public health, everything's about being peer-reviewed and being published by the, 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 you know, the health folks. However, it's, it's so hard in, in the current environment to actually... Uh, how's the right, what's the, what's the right word to explain this? I guess it, it, recent events have just made me question, I guess. You know, any companies any companies can buy their way into whatever journals they like as far as a, a publication point of view. So I, I won't dive into that on this call, but I guess everything we've done is evidence-based, whether that's our own evidence to say, no, this has actually worked and here's the proof. But we don't just grab... You know, lots of companies will just grab some stuff off, you know, take a, take a Google and, and build out some content and, and throw that out to people, whereas uh, we've, we've come from the evidence-based standpoint with what we've done. So affecting social change, regardless of what the topic is, we've built a platform to do that, 
and that's what we've been having with conversations with lots of state governments, um, you know, local, state, federal government in the US, but then some interesting organizations as well um, in Africa. Just done something pretty interesting with the African Tourism Board around helping Africa get open for tourism again, because obviously that's their main main um, driver of their economy. If there's no tourism, there's no income for the country. Does that work? Yeah, I think uh, I think people are getting a bit of an idea of, of, of what you guys are doing. From my perspective, it's yeah, putting into an app, putting into gamification, a learning process, and that can be applied to, to whatever. So it seems like that's where the future is. I think we can, you know, you can see with real movement, like that's basically what we're doing more and more. And, you know, we're developing our third, fourth attempt at an app at the moment that should be released this week. Um, there's definitely future in this. We know that technology is just going to keep getting better. So, you know, I think it makes sense to be looking in that direction, but also all the experiences that you have from being a country boy in country Queensland to pitching all this stuff to US states and governments and, and that personal journey that goes with that um, is something as well that I think is, you know, a reason why I want more of our members to to know you guys and to to be able to bounce questions and, you know, get support and whether it is actually going to spend some time physically at Farm Gym, like that's definitely a goal and having your accommodation right next to it, something I keep talking to Luke about, you know, that there needs to be more accommodation there so it can be an easier place for people to visit. I went and spent time at Mike's gym in Spain. I think I've been there six times. Um, it's a long way from, you know, where I usually hang out and I've still been there six times. So I think people do the same thing to go to Farm Gym when that becomes available. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that the problem-solving side of things and just making your, making your vision happen. We're, we're talking about it with Lyndon's vision for his family and then there's another side to that of, you know, potentially going on the road next year as well and travelling around Australia and seeing some of the real movement gyms and coaches around Australia. Um, no, 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 that's not, and also the tech as well. That's not a potential. We are. So, yeah, we should also mention that Lyndon is the man behind the real movement gear as well. So whenever you're buying juggling balls, Lyndon sourced them, the strap, Lyndon sourced that parallettes being made by Lyndon and his family um, so that that development even the the meat deal that we've uh, kicked off in Sydney as well uh, Lyndon's been working on that um, so there's yeah all that side of things is something that Lyndon wanted to do together with us so I said I think there's potential for a business here but I don't want to I, I don't need the distraction at the moment I've got a lot going on and I want to focus on what I need to do um, so that's something as well where Lyndon said, well, what, how can I help and, you know, what can I do? And, and he's been solving problems, right? So I think there's uh, there's a number of other businesses, I think, that are just on the fringe of real movement at the moment that, you know, you can start a business with me, you can start it yourself, you can start exactly what Lyndon and I are doing with real movement gear, you know, for yourself, wherever you're from, in your own colours and your own branding and whatever. Like the trick is whatever your vision is, like share it with someone, start it, build your confidence in yourself. If you lack confidence, then you're going to get that through getting results, through taking action. Um, these are the core messages. I want to, I want to finish with Luke. Like what, what do you actually do at farm gym? What's, what's different about it? Um, and how does, how does that place work as a business and as a culture? Awesome. Well, the first thing that's different about it is that, that is the outside of our gym. So one of our primary offerings here is a change in environment. So 
on average, most of us are spending time indoors, undercover, just non-optimal places for humans to thrive. So uh, first and foremost is a change in environment where you can come, you can be here, you can train here, you can gain benefits from doing other things here. But regardless, if you're here, you're in this space. You got the clarity of what's around and the, um, the opportunity to get grounded, get your feet dirty, get out, get some sun. What we do here, we like to think of it as building kind of fitter, stronger, more confident and highly capable humans. So we're pretty broad range. We're, we're quite non-specific with our skill base and what we develop in humans up here, but attitude towards operating as a high-functioning human in the essence of your levels of resilience, your levels of capability across the board, and what we've been focusing a lot on this morning here, the levels of confidence within the self. So that trust and that, that knowledge that what you have and what you are is enough to get what you to get what you need and to get where you need to go. So helping people discover that for themselves through like a multitude of ways, through our training, through the obstacle course. Um, but yeah, like just looking at it in a bit of a different face, in a bit of a different light. So I have like prior to mining that, my background was in uh, film and TV, working on Survivor, being exposed to that show and the workings of it. So as Linda was mentioning with the gamification of things, how important and fun that can make working out and challenging yourself physically. That led to how we operate like a big part of what we do here, the outdoor side. So the obstacle course, we've got a three and a half K obstacle course that goes around the farm. And that itself is just an experience. Like Keegan's seen it run. Uh, we brought the, like one of the big real movement gatherings up here one morning or Saturday morning, we all ran it. And the beauty was out of all the coaches and that that came from all across Australia and I think even a few from internationally, everyone took something away and learned something about themselves because it, it wasn't an environment they experienced much time in on average. So what they did was they put their training to use, they put what they'd built in their studios to use in a very outdoors, physical, practical way. So carrying a log over your, over your head up a hill and then walking it back down a muddy hill is like, you can't necessarily train for options and moments like that without doing it. But in essence, you can build the foundation underneath it using like the, the wonderful paradigm of different real movement programs in there. But the beauty, what I love to say the beauty in it is testing it in the real world. So we like, we train in our gym. Our gym is like relatively standard. If you've seen other real movement gyms, you'll find a bunch of the same gear here. We use the same, same and similar programs, but yeah, the, the opportunity to spend that time outdoors and to put it into a real working, um, a real, real working moment. So to use that skill and that strength and that capacity you've built and then put pit yourself against us against yourself that's that's where the challenge lies that's where we thrive that's what our culture thrives upon is that those moments when it's you against you you are open to all that you are it is your honesty versus your honesty it's your integrity versus your integrity and it's your discipline that will get you through to keep you going so yeah i think you're capturing the the culture of what what your place is about um so you have like a normal kind of you know, you have a different service obviously because you have a different environment, but you have a gym membership option and members also can participate in the farm. And then you also have people coming in for like weekend events and other gyms. You probably had like 10 plus visits from Real Movement Gyms from Brisbane, Gold Coast, 
um, sunny coast, etc. That's is that the the business model in a nutshell at the moment? Are you, do you have, do you have income from the farm at this stage, or where does that sit? Yeah, I'll break the business down quickly. The the farm itself it's set to generate um, more and more as it goes on. We've recently been planting a lot of um, extra foliage crops and the fruit trees and what's there sustaining it now is okay it's it's running at a negative so the amount of hours needed to work it versus the rewards we get aren't paying for itself yet but that's okay um it was never the plan for it to make any money until we could really establish the time to go and farm well farming is about efficiency and time application um but the gym itself the gym is our main income feeder for this place it supports everything uh, our memberships are quite simple. We offer offer one membership point of forty nine ninety five, and that offers you unlimited sessions here throughout the week. Um, our core goal as a business is just to get a hundred members on that uh, with a fifteen percent annual turnover. So retention is very high on our priority list up here. We like to have a good long term culture, and that alone will sustain the farm side to grow. Um, that is what we focus our core like our business structure on itself was just that hundred member status. But then outside of that, as Keegan mentioned, we do run events for um, a lot of other gyms. So gyms that don't get to experience time with their members in these environments. Yeah. We've had like gyms from all over Southeast Queensland come through here um, from as far as Meribah right down to the Gold Coast and generally for like a two to four hour event. And we literally just put them through their paces as a team, as a tribe, and like we help them bond more than anything and offer like offer the space and the environment for what it is. But it itself, like we don't count that as part of our productional cost because all that is cream. So all that money that comes in from that literally goes back into building more challenges, building more of an obstacle course because that itself is going to offer something like truly amazing. And as Keegan mentioned before, we're working on the, the, the farm gym stays. So offering accommodation, a campground. We're going to start with the campground first and um, from there. So, yeah, the, the gym itself is running as a, as a solid entity. And then going on from that, it's kind of we're not putting any pressure on any one facet of this other than the gym, which we know we can do well to, to provide. And, that, and therefore, it lets the farm organically grow without like, well, for instance, every time that I've ventured out to spend more time on the farm, I burnt myself out for the gym because like, as, as you were saying before, Keegan, it's like when you have a lot on your plate, all of a sudden, if you start magpieing and start going after the shiny things, it's like what's there and what's that core construct starts, starts fading away and starts slipping away from the grip you held on it. So just knowing, knowing that's a, an important factor and yeah, just letting the, letting things organically kind of grow around us, but really focusing hard on the gym. So in another two years, the gym will be like highly self-sufficient, self-sustainable. The obstacle course will be at a really good point. And we want to have, like our goal is to have farm gym, 5K up the road, turn off signs on the highway put there by the council because they're driving people towards us. Like we want to be a beacon on the coast for everything we're doing here. Yep. And I think there's, you know, there's massive potential for, for lots of different projects there, you've, you've spoken about potentially having a restaurant type thing a couple of times a week. You know, you could have a live-in farmer. Uh, I think the having people come and, you know, be educated there about the land and about training is probably something that is extremely attractive at this time. You know, I think there's, there's so many possibilities of where this could go. I think it is a vision 
that will capture a lot of hearts as you get the message out about it. And it's about your journey as well to become more confident in what you've developed. Um, we've seen that change a lot over the last few years. You know, the first time, the first event that we had up there, I think every single Real Movement member that went to your gym said, hey, you need to open this up for events on the weekends. Um, yeah. And you hadn't done it at that stage and you weren't necessarily that confident about it at that stage. And then pretty much, you know, the guys backed it up and they did take their members up there, you know, Brisbane Strength and Movement and Dylan and, you know, Jordan and a lot of the guys have been there. And then F45s all, you know, piled on as well. The next step, I think, is to, to go more international with it, to be an internationally recognised brand and, to, you know, to have coaches come in and get formed. Like, I, I know that there are, there's a huge hunger for people to understand land and understand, you know, training physicality. And I think they do go together really, really well. So, you know, I've done a full podcast about my, my understanding or my, how I see, you know, farm gyms and farm and physicality sort of coming together, you know, whether... Luke's going to do what he wants to do with, with his vision, but Real Movement will always support that and, and we want other projects, you know, to get off the ground along similar lines. Um, that's why we have the conversation. You guys have been opening up time every week to, to chat with people about how to make this stuff happen, whether it's having chickens in the backyard, whether it's getting on, on land and setting up your gym um, on someone else's property, basically, you know, rent-free or close to it. You guys, you know, you have your house... You, you know, your personal rent and your business rent kind of all in one package. Um, so, you know, you can explore yeah, these ideas. Hey? I didn't even touch on that part. Like the fact yeah. that we live here as well and like the, what we do is literally an extension of our life. So we've done, as Lena was mentioning, with the container house or the, the demountable, we live in a container home. Um, we try and we're up to maybe about 20% of what we eat every week comes from our own farm and so as we get more experience that that number grows but yeah so we're not it's not just um theorizing that up here like our our intention is to live what we do and therefore lead from the front in that sense yeah so i think yeah like for me biggest take home or the, the take home message i'd love people to have is you know don't be afraid to share your vision start creating it now ask people for help, you know, Lyndon and, and Luke are offering their time to help with that. Real Movement is created to support, you know, you to live your dream uh, wherever, you know, wherever you are in the world, whatever it is that you want to achieve. I think the world's going to be a better place by people, you know, doing that rather than doing something that they think they need to do to make money or, or whatever. Um, you know, Luke could have tried to make a normal gym. Um, he, you know, he wanted to get out of mining when we, when we were first talking he listened to the Real Movement lectures while he was doing his mining job and, and, and cooked up a dream and then, you know, made it happen. I think that's the, the biggest thing is just, you know, to continue to explore towards what you really want. Lyndon has decided he's not going to wait until he hits his big payday with his tech startup company to go and explore Australia or to have land to, to have his family on. Doesn't mean he hasn't, you know, he's not going to have that that big payday, that big win that he's been working for with his tech company. But, you know, go on, go and live what you want to live. I think that, you know, the more of us that do that, I think the, the better the world is going to be. So uh, I hope you find a little bit more courage to, to do that uh, from listening to this today. If you've got questions or thoughts, you know, for Luke and Lyndon, um, you know, reach out to them. They're here to support that, support Real Movement Gear. Go and visit Farm Gym and support Farm Gym all the little ways that you can support each other and that you can support real movement. They really do make a difference. Um, the social media, you know, shares and support and those sorts of things, you know, but turning up, 
um, is, is probably the you know the, the big thing when you go and when you go and visit or when you actually um, use some of the you know, use some of the equipment etc. Like that's that's going to make a difference in these guys' lives. Um, so uh, thank you guys for for jumping on today and for sharing more about you know what you're what you're doing at the moment. We could have gone into a lot more detail, but I feel like that gives people an understanding of what the Tuesday opportunity is uh, for members to connect with you guys and, and to solve problems and you know, move towards what might seem impossible to build a, a tech company coming out of country Queensland that, that has an impact in Africa and the US probably is a, seems, seems impossible until you actually do it. And, and that's what Lyndon's been doing. And, and Luke lives on the, the farm that he grew up, you know, doing some, some work on. Now he, he runs it and he's building his dream. Like there's, um, doesn't get more epic than that. I don't think like it's, it's, it's special. So um, yeah, thank, thank you guys for your time. Thank you f- so much for uh, all the work that you've done and all the support that you've given to Real Movement over the, over the years as well. You've been a huge part in you know, me being able to live my, my dream as well. Uh, thanks, mate, for bringing it together in the first place because we, we all wouldn't know each other if you hadn't taken that leap. So well done. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Leonard. Thanks, thanks, Gabe. Thanks, Luke. Cheers, guys.